Welcome to Galaxy Moonbeam Nightsight. We are the retro talk program for nostalgia and baby boomer stuff here on the Galaxy Nostalgia Network. I'm Gilbert Smitty Smith, welcoming you to this episode, which is part two of our live broadcast, which we did on June 12, 2015, from the San Diego County Fair at Del Mar, California. And during that broadcast, my good buddy Mike Bragg and I were joined by John and Susan Fox from KOPA FM Res Radio in Paula, California. We're going to continue with part two of that broadcast during this hour. And we were talking about all kinds of things pertaining to fairs and memories of the past, listening to some musical numbers from the past. And we're also looking back at the 60th anniversary of the founding of Disneyland, among other things. We looked earlier at the 100th anniversary of the 1915 exposition that was held in San Diego to commemorate the opening of the Panama Canal. Well, we have a lot more stuff coming up during this hour, so we're sure glad that you're here with us. And let's get started as we go back to the San Diego County Fair at Del Mar, California. Res Radio 91.3 is KOPA Paula, and this is the Galaxy Moonbeam Nightside Show live from the San Diego County Fair as we do it once every year with the Galaxy guys and my lovely bride Susan. And we're out here talking about the fair. We've talked about the history of the fair. We've been talking about Disneyland. We have a little bit more of that coming up right now. But one of the things about the fair here that's become an annual tradition for Res Radio is uh, bringing the guys from Galaxy Moonbeam Nightside out to the fair for a live show every year, kind of expanding their horizons. Uh, Gilbert, you were the originator, or are you guys together originated the show? Or tell us a little bit about the history of Galaxy Moonbeam Nightside, because you were actually up and operating before you came to Res Radio four years ago. That's right, John. We were, I think we were operating just about a little bit around a year or so before we came to Res Radio. But no, actually, Mike and I concurrently, well, Mike and I met together. We, we, we met at our place of employment, and we... Uh, uh, began talking and we found that we hit it off really, really well. And we also had both had a very common uh, interest in uh, in nostalgia and things from the past. And we got to talking and uh, we both wanted to you know, share that with others. And I, you know, typical kid, I'd always wanted to be on the radio and never had the opportunity to do so. And so we we talked about it. And it just so happened that uh, the previous year. Uh, I had begun to put together a little studio at my house, a recording studio, and Mike had the know-how uh, to uh, Mike had the know-how to put our shows online, which I didn't. So we put our put our uh, collective uh, our collective knowledge together as podcasts as, as podcasts, right? And we began doing the shows, and we decided, you know, we we both really were on the same page as far as wanting to talk about nostalgia, baby boomer stuff, things of the past, and share that with other people. And so it worked out really well that I had the, the studio so, so, and, and Mike had the ability to put the shows on the air. And we went ahead and we, uh, we began doing that. And then um, we were on, uh, we were doing podcasts, I think uh, close to a year, maybe a little bit uh, less than a year, when a mutual friend of ours, John, uh, uh, Chris Carmichael, I believe, uh, mentioned us to you. and uh, Chris, who is the host of Jack's Tracks, Jack's heard for, Sunday yeah. afternoons that's, from 4 to 7 on Res Radio. That's right, another one of our Res Radio uh, uh people and uh we then uh, connected with you you listened to uh what we were doing and you were gracious enough to ask us to join the res radio family and so here we are so actually we're celebrating our fifth anniversary of doing galaxy moonbeam nights at we're actually this is our fourth anniversary of being on res radio congratulations thank you so much I'm well, going to, I'm going to mention before we get too much further into the interview that uh, we're uh, situated here along the uh, Midway, right under the Sky Ride, and Bandaloni, who plays every couple of hours out here, who is an amazing artist. He's a guy from Canada. He's built himself a one-man band outfit, very much electronic. And you're probably going to hear that in the back room because yes. he's getting ready to perform here right now. <laughs> but anyway, we'll continue on with what we were talking sure. about. Now, you guys, do you have specific... Uh, you both are into nostalgia and all that. Are you right. your collectors as well? And I yes. know you have an excellent collection of old radios. 
Tell me about your studio, because I've been there, and uh, it was already functional for several years before I got to see your studio. Beautiful Is studio. any of that recycled from uh, places we might know, any professional equipment? Or you've got some pretty major stuff in your studio. Yeah, well, actually, John, I'm in the process right now of, uh, of finishing, refurbishing a new, a new uh, broadcast console that actually was uh, the person who's really helped me out with that is John Rigg from Clear Channel. Mm-hmm. And so we'll be, we'll be putting that into, into operation. Not, I'm not sure quite yet because it's a very slow process, but it's a much bigger console that will give us a little more flexibility. Uh, the other equipment, Exciting. yeah, it is. The other, yeah, the other equipment that's there, as far as uh, there's, a, there's a few pieces uh, from, from KNX Radio, that are there. Uh, everything else is just really, I don't think uh, I know the history of anything that's come from. We have some old microphones that I wish I knew the history of, but I don't. I don't. We use RCA 77s in our studio. And um, uh, we, we do try to keep it, it we want to keep it as a broadcast studio so that we can maintain the quality that our listeners have come to expect, not only on our podcast, but on Res Radio. And uh, so, yeah, John, we, we're, we're constantly working on the studio. And once we get that new board put in, that'll really, you know, be a nice addition and a nice adjunct to the equipment that we have. And tell me a little bit about your microphones, too. You use some vintage microphones for your shows, right? Yes. They're not just collectibles. They're actually in use. They're actually in use. Yeah, they're, 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 they're collectible. They're, they're RCA, uh, RCA 77Ds and 77DXs. Which are ribbon-style microphones. Which are ribbon-style microphones. Traditionally the- a little bit on the maybe fragile side, I think. Yeah. Yeah, we wouldn't want to. Probably wouldn't want to bring them out to to do a a remote or anything because they're very susceptible to to wind and even people blowing into them or somebody. I know back in the old radio days, they could have blown them out by uh, somebody firing a, a a gun with a blank next to them. That was enough to make the the ribbon pop. But we do use the the RCA 77s because they lend a nice uh, they lend a real nice touch. And we've had people. We've been fortunate enough to have some nice guests. You and Susan have been there. We've had. Uh, uh, we had John Coleman from KUSI, Ken Kramer, um, uh, you know, Chuck Cooper, Shotgun Tom Kelly. They've all commented, wow, you guys have the 77s that you're using. And so that helps to really impart some sort of a nostalgic feel to the it studio, does. you know. Yeah. So we're very proud of that, that we're able to use those vintage microphones. Oh, I love your studio. Well, it thank you. Dream studio. It, it, it's a work in progress. Uh, you know, once we get it really all nailed down, hopefully that'll happen. Will you sometime. ever really get it all? I, nailed I down. sure hope you so. You won't. No. I have all that's these. That's the beauty of it. I have all these visions in my head, and I want to, and I know what I want, but it just takes so much time. You know, it does, and it's ever changing. <laughs> it's ever changing. So, Gilbert, we know you love the electronics. Mike, what's your? You're obviously got to be a collector too, if you're into nostalgia. What's your favorite uh, area of collection? I've gone through several collections in my you're life. You're into toys, aren't you? My Ten toys, toys from the 50s Japanese tin toys you could buy for a dollar not and, anymore no. no you know those are the collectibles if you find them find a box of toys don't throw it out or give it to Goodwill find out these things have skyrocketed because people my age are trying to return to their childhood and I might add that I'm as co-executive producer of Galaxy my job the job falls upon me to find and identify the content well, guess what? In the baby boomer years, we're never going to run out of stuff to talk about because we'll find items to talk about. <clears throat> because a lot we of were the ways. greatest. <laughs> we are the greatest. You know, we're the tuned-in generation, man. The best part about it, we have some pretty good stories. And we'll do a story, and two years later, we'll do the same story, but from a different direction. Yeah. We've done stories on Captain Kangaroo and kids programming. We've talked about movies. We talk, we talk about the good old days. You go to Saturday matinee again, Susan, just like Disneyland. Your parents would drop you off at the ticket booth, and they go shopping or go home and come back two hours later, and they'd never have to worry about you except what to feed you for dinner. But you were safe. You would be there. And right. where I grew up, my mom would tell the manager, don't let those two boys go anywhere. <laughs> and in the summertime, cooled by refrigeration, it was hot in L.A. and smoggy, so... For 50 cents, my mom would drop my brothers and I off, and we'd go down to the front under the screen and go to sleep. But we talk about the day when you could spend 75 cents on a Saturday and get two full movies and a cartoon and a Zorro serial, and these are the things we talk about. And we think we're doing a good job because people remember these things. They haven't thought about them in 40 years, and suddenly I remember what they're talking about. There's, there's nothing like that. There's nothing to quite stimulate those memories. Yeah, quite as gratifying as to get an email from somebody saying, "Hey, you know, you really, I, I, I remember what you talked about." 
And we've got some nice people that really stay in touch with us, like our friend Peggy Borisma up in the L.A. area and Dale Harris, and we've got uh, other people. We also have young people that write us and say, you know, this is way before the time that I was born, but I'm really interested in learning about I love hearing yeah. that. Yeah. Because it's, it's easy to speak about what's happening now, right. the future trends, but it takes research and, it, it and does, interest. Yeah. Yeah. The best history is from those ones. who lived it. That's exactly That's why right. it's yeah. important to, to learn about recent history. You're going to read about Columbus and all that stuff in history books, but to hear, you know, the previous generation or two, you got to hear it from your elders. Sure. We're talking about popular culture. I mean, right now, Mike, I'm sure you'll agree, my thought goes to Jack Vincent, who we interviewed, I think, four years ago, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Jack's now 97, and, and you know, his memories, uh, the memories of all the people that we've had on, we've been just very, very fortunate. Jack yeah. Benson, who was so, for many years, the overnight guy at KCBQ, the overnight engineer and on-air guy. Yep, that's right. That's well, right. And a lot of these folks, they're in their 80s, 90s, 70s, even younger. You know, Lee Marshall left us a couple of years ago, and he was the he was the news and weather voice at Boss Radio KHJ, and... I was sitting with him and more recently the voice of Tony the Tiger. Tony the Tiger, absolutely, and, and just a neat guy to hang out with. And I, I was having a cigar with him at Shotgun Tom's Pool Hall, and two months later, Lee he was gone. He was he was fighting cancer, but we weren't able to get him on the show to tell his story of what it was like to be the news and weather and breaking news guy and stock market guy all rolled in. Now there's a guy for everything or a gal. And not even able to talk to him. And that's one of the things I regret. There's so many Baby Boomer-related books being written now by people our age that decided they're going to turn their memories into something they can share, much like Galaxy does with our shows. But just the people that come out as a result of hearing our shows and have something to add. And these are book authors. We've got Dave Leonard, who is the undisputed authority on Top 40 Radio in Southern California. And everyone in between, there are stories to be told. And in the shows, about every five or six shows, we tell people, if you know of someone in your town, wherever you're at, that has done something like the person we just talked to, please get them recorded. Get their Almost story. Almost everybody yeah. is an expert on something. On something. There's a story there. On yeah. something. Yeah. Well, you guys have really tapped into a vein of gold, I think, with your concept, because, as you said, you're reminding people. Yes. Some people constantly live with these memories and you're always thinking about yeah i remember that rolling stones concert at the sports arena i went to in 1972 i remember the beatles at balboa stadium and other people are like oh yeah that's right you know and you're jogging people's memories who aren't constantly well i don't like to say living in the past but remembering these fond things that happen sure john and and the thing about it is the uh, one thing that we've defined that mike and i have talked about in the past and in the past the world today is so uncertain. There's so much, uh, you know, there's so much strife. There's things that, you know, we don't know what the future holds. And and to, and to not that you're going to hide by going back to the past, but you go back to the past, it kind of gives you a respite from all the stuff that's going on today. It's comforting. It's comforting. It's comforting. Uh, it, gives you a, it gives you a sense of comfort. You remember yes. better times, uh, you know, and you remember, uh, you know, things that, uh, that, that are very pleasant. And, and that kind of helps a little bit with, you know, dealing with things that we have to deal with today. So what would you say is your favorite show in the five years you've been doing these? Wow, that's a good question. I, I think it would have to be one of our interview shows. I mean, we've, got some, we've had some great shows. I mean, uh, our, our, our show with Jack Vincent really was, was a great show. Our show with Ken Kramer. The show with Ken Kramer and the show with John with John, I love John uh, Coleman. With John Coleman. That was a good show. The John 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 Coleman was fantastic. And I mean, Tommy yeah. Sarmiento. I really enjoyed. Of course, I, obviously, I like the radio shows. Of course, yeah. yeah. You're gonna like the radio shows. Me yeah. too. I'm coming back. Like you, radio is everything. If it's a radio show, I'm probably gonna give. I give 100 percent on everything we do. But radio related, I'll do 110 percent. But probably the JFK assassination. Ah, yes. Because we and another thing on our shows, we don't do the mainstream attack on an anniversary. Well, 1963, JFK was a sad, it was a sad day. We don't do that. We talk about like where I was. I was in elementary school, and we just got done with lunch. And my teacher came out crying, and we talk about the radio because every classroom in LA school district had a radio in the classroom. And she said the president's been shot, and we couldn't figure that out. Ten years old, you just don't register. We put the listener, and it's Gonzo journalism. It's it's what I did at Rolling Stone. We put the people into the moment and take them back in a time travel and they say I haven't thought about that I haven't thought about where I was on JFK assassination for 25 years and then we'll get feedback from people I was in, I was in the back room of my mom and dad's dry cleaners and I remember 
my dad was crying and he closed the store. And we have another lady who said, I remember all the radio. I listened to KRLA and KFWB, all my favorite top 40. But that afternoon, it was all classical music on every station across the country. It was very slow dirges and classical. Those are memories. And we do the shows to strike those memories out of people because, you know what? When we go, when we cross over, when we check out on the A-train, so to speak, who's going to tell our stories? I mean, we've got, we got 15,000 kids out here today under 18 years old. None of them are looking straight ahead. They're all looking at their hands, and in their hands is a machine, and that's how they're communicating. So we hope we've captured this and done some kind of legacy for folks to remember, because these kids someday are going to... They're going to be 40 or 50 years old and say, how did we get here? What happened? Well, that's what draws me to your show. Yes. Because Thank it's you. unlike any other show. I mean, we can all just, uh, you know, report the news, sensationalize it. But when it's really bringing you back to the moment, what's happening around you, and really that's what you guys are going after, the nostalgic end of it, not just the facts, like in Wikipedia, the facts. Yeah, and that's so. that's the thing of it. Too. You know, thank you for saying that. And, and it's and it's that's what we've tried to do. For example, as Mike was saying, the JFK show. We did a show on the 70th anniversary of D-Day. Right. We've done a show at the 70th anniversary of Pearl Harbor. We're going to have, as Mike mentioned at, at the beginning of the show, we're going to be doing uh, the end of World War II, which is this is also the 70th. We're you know, just kind of basically tracking World War II as we go. Uh, and we just want to present them because there's so many different angles. You know, we don't want to do the cliché, typical, well, you know, 70 years ago, World War II. No, there's, there's right. a whole lot of... And we also like to utilize, for example, we like to utilize uh, uh, actually uh, you know, sound recordings, you know, radio recordings from that day, bulletins, things like that. That adds a lot to it. And I think for, for our younger listeners, that really puts them in, helps to put them in that time and time and space. I think it absolutely does. It's like listening to stories from your grandparents, yeah. not really making sense, and then seeing home movies or photographs of them, or the items that they actually used at that time that yeah. they were talking about it. Yeah. It's just uh, material items and, and yeah. things that bring you back to that moment, like a cologne bringing you back sure. to the time. Sure, yeah. And there's no opinion. It, no. It really lacks that opinionated nature of the news. Yeah. Yeah. We let, you know, people... Hopefully, younger people may want to do their own research. They may want to continue to find out, hey, that was really interesting. I want to learn more about that. You know, or people from the uh, who do remember some of these things, as we were saying earlier, that might jog their memory. I haven't thought about that in 25 years. You know, And, uh, and I do believe that there's a lot of uh, youth of today that do want to take a look back. Our music is their music now. Yeah. They have their own music, but they also have embraced rock and roll at a lot of different time periods, and I'm really proud when I see that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, even now, you go online, you look at, uh, you look at, for example, YouTube, and there'll be some something, some musical uh, piece on there from the 60s or 70s. I see young people posting, "Hey, this is really neat. I'm only, I'm only 19 years old, and that that this music from that time period is great." You know, and right. so they're looking. They're expanding their horizons, a lot of them are. You know? Like the Rolling Stone concert you were just talking about. My girlfriend brought her daughter's generation and her granddaughter's generation. So the, all three families went together. Yeah, so oh, that's great. Yeah, I thought that was really wonderful. We've had a wonderful time, you know, putting, uh, working on Galaxy. We're going to continue to do that. And certainly uh, being able to be on Res Radio is wonderful for us because it allows us not only a... Uh, to serve the the Paula community, but also worldwide, because we're also heard through 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 streaming, and so we we're very thankful to uh, John for uh, having the uh, the confidence to put us on the air and to keep us on the air thus far. And uh, we, we've certainly enjoyed our working relationship with John and with and with Res Radio, and we certainly hope to continue that. Which I'm, I know we're going to continue it. And uh, you know, the ideas are just uh, the ideas are limitless. This is one of those it topics is. that just really you think. Sometimes we're doing. Sometimes we're, t we're we're planning a show and going. Hey, what about this topic? We'll save it for next time. <laughs> what? <laughs> Absolutely. And after the show's done, you listen back to it and go, "Wow, we could have done this." I could have. I should have. We do that, but you know what? We've I've I've learned at least because I go back and I listen to every show, and of course I spend a lot of time uh, editing and tightening up shows. 
And I'm going, you know, we could have done that, but you know what? We'll cover it later There's on because time. eventually it'll come back around. You yeah. Know? yeah. In yeah. another topic as well, it'll, yeah. it'll visit the same subject. But I'm very pleased to have a, a good partner like Mike who, uh, you, you know, he and I just really work well together. And we're so, so very fortunate that uh, we're so very fortunate the Galaxy is, uh, is uh, here at our fifth anniversary. And I remember when we first started that Mike said to me, and I brought this up on our show on several occasions. At that time, we were just a podcast. Podcasts have a very, very uh, short lifespan. You know, you get somebody that gets all enthused. They want to do a podcast. They'll do five shows, then they'll kind of slack off. And so it's very, hard, very rare for a podcast to come to ten shows. It's a commitment. It's a job. It is. It's a job. Yeah. It's you know. But we did our tenth show and our twenty-fifth show and our fiftieth show and our hundredth show and our hundred fiftieth show, and we're on our way now to our two hundredth show. And so, but it is a job. Yeah, I, we, we spend a lot of time working on these shows. And a lot of research. A lot of research. But we're not going to let you stop. <laughs> we're that glad to have you. Well, thank you. We appreciate Business that. Business relationship works both ways. Absolutely. And, of course, Susan is our number one Galaxy gal, and we're always I'm so happy. I'm a loyal follower. Yeah, and we're always so happy when and she's on the show with us. Thank you <laughs> for putting up with me. Oh, no, no. Thank you. Well, happy anniversary, gentlemen, and we're glad to have you as part of the Res Radio family. Thank you, Susan Thank and John. Thank you, John. Susan, appreciate that very much. All right. Well, uh, I'll play some music. Let's play some music. What do you got, John? Uh, we have, let's see, this was left over from last Marshall. hour. Oh, see you in September. Sounds good to me. I'll be alone each and every night. While you're away, don't forget to write.
All right, and welcome back here at Galaxy Moonbeam Night Sight, the live show here at the 2015 San Diego County Fair. The population is growing here on the main way, the midway, and it's starting to smell really good here. We're going to take a food break before long, but we want to catch up and finish up on our Disneyland segment. Susan and I were talking about Disneyland collectibles, and we also talked briefly with John about Disneyland cliches. John, remember... Boy, this thing's really Mickey Mouse, isn't yeah. it? How about another cliche? You know, the e-ticket cliche is gone, but what about, well, here's a Kodak moment. Kodak. Remember the Kodak picture big, spots? Big sponsor. And look at Kodak. Kodak. They're, they're almost non-existent anymore. Yes, they are. And I can't wait till that completes. And I'm from Rochester. Uh, I've got a couple of Instamatics I'd like to talk to them about. Yeah, I do you remember know, carrying around a little green Instamatic with the flash cube at Disneyland. I remember that. Yeah, blue dots for sure shots. Blue dots. No flash photography at the Pirates. They'll get scared, and instead of chasing the young ladies around New Orleans, they'll chase you. Well, Susan, tell me some more about Disneyland. You were there, and, of course, I, I come from a family that was three brothers. We didn't have a big sister or a little sister. What did girls do at Disneyland? What I know what guys did. But well, when they had older brothers, and they were uh, all engineers or studying to be, we, we went to things like the People Mover and the Monsanto exhibits, but there was a fact, um, the General Electric Carousel of Progress, if you remember that, it was where the audience sat and the movie, or the, the theater moved around them in 360 degrees. Oh, and they, they drove from the turn of the century to 1960 and they, the little dog would bark? They did, absolutely. The dog never aged, but the, the anima- family did. And that was, again, the anima- animatronics people, Okay. and so they would span about 20 years every time, but this, this actual ride... Um, or exhibit ride felt like a ride to me. It debuted at the New York World's Fair. Oh wow! So after being at the World's Fair for the '64 fair, yeah. So they brought it out to Disneyland and made it permanent. In about '73. Okay. Yeah. 60. I believe. Well, maybe I'm wrong on that. The Carousel of Progress. Carousel of There's Progress. There's a great, big, beautiful tomorrow road. You know what? 67 to 73. Yeah, that would be okay. That'd be about right. Me. I remember sitting there and watching it. Yes. Watching all the appliances change, you know, the toaster where you'd slap the bread up against this thing and, and then you know, burn the house down. Towards the end, you're wondering, well. And what about tomorrow? Remember? I just sold that at a garage sale. What's next? Yeah. Do you remember what the most amazing thing about the Carousel of Progress was? The microwave oven, which debuted at the New York World's Fair. That was the first time anybody ever saw a microwave oven. Oh, yeah, that's right. And now it's coming back to me. That's interesting that they would have brought that uh, display from the 64 World's Fair. I, I don't think that there was anything else that came from the World's Fair that they had on display there. Was there as far as we know? I really don't think yeah, so. Yeah, just that. So. That was pretty good how that turned around and you... And you'd go so many times, you knew what was coming next, but it was like watching The Godfather. You could, there's always some... <laughs> if it's on AMC, that's where you're going to hang, John, for the next hour and a half. Leave the gun. Take the cannoli. Yeah, yeah at least till the time Sonny gets wasted at the toll booth. Yeah. Gee, what's going to happen? <laughs> yeah. Does he mimic all of the all of the script words to The Godfather? She, Honestly, will, she leaves the room when the Godfather gone. comes on. Yeah, time for a Costco run. The movie is a mad, 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 mad oh, yeah. world, which makes me so mad, mad, mad. He knows every word, every word. I bet since I've married him, he's seen that movie 50 times. Oh, man. So my girlfriend's daughter comes over. My girlfriend and I are going to have a slumber party. This is when her daughter's about eight. Any video you want to watch, you guys watch. Your mom and I are going out on the backboard. What would you like to watch? Oh, my gosh, you guys have. It's a mad, mad, mad. mad. <laughs> yes, you know we are definitely going out I on the court. I didn't coach her. I love that girl. I'm, I'm glad we really turned the curve here because the subject being Disneyland, we don't sit around and watch Disney movies over and over again. We just don't. Herbie the Love Bug, maybe twice in my life, but The Godfather, I'm on that one. You know, did, what was your favorite Disney movie? Not TV show, World of Color, I guess, or I don't know. Well, Who Framed Roger Rabbit has got to be it. Yeah, I've kind of gathered recent. that from the earlier part of the show today. That's right. I can hear you guys going back home today. Doing the- you thoroughly enjoyed the recent remake, live-action remake of Cinderella. I did. I did. I love Cinderella's story. I love the remake of Cinderella. Did the Disney movies get better? Over the years to you, Susan, they, or did like they get schlocky and more commercial? They, Beauty and the they Beast. They got more commercial. I okay. think they evolved with time like everything else. Yeah. What, you know, what was fascinating to us back then has outgrown us 
myself now, but looking back at those, it, it's nostalgic. So you've got to love those original Mickey Mouses. And it's the kingdom that uh, it's the kingdom that the mouse built. You know, those little practically stick figure animation drawings back in the twenties. spawned the whole thing. Those flip pages, yeah. And yeah. The, the, the history of the Disney movies is really amazing. From that level of what you might call lack of sophistication, just learning how to do animation, until Fantasia, the incredible change and in, in, uh, quality and in, in the technique that they evolved in just that 15 or 20 years from uh, the original Mickey Mouse cartoons to Fantasia. And now, of course, electronic animation. And Disney's been buying up uh, Pixar, Pixar and all the, yeah. all the incredible uh, technological marvels of the movie-making industry. Well, I'm wondering if that's what's causing attendance to drop at the amusement parks, such as Disneyland. They just can't get kids 11, you know, 9 to 20 years old to go to Disneyland, any of the parks anymore. They can't get them unplugged long enough to go there, somewhere. There you go. They can find all the amusement they want in their smartphone or their TV set. I think mothers and young children are really taking to Disneyland right now. And it, it sounds like a small audience, but it's really not. They seem to be, besides families traveling and from out of town and so forth, they seem to be what uh, what you do when you have a young child, a toddler sure. on up to five, six, seven. Does yeah. it seem? Does it seem almost like a tradition thing? You know, you take I your. I think it is. You, you you take a child to Disneyland and oh, yeah. you know that's yeah. No. And you know. Yeah, I remember some of my early trips. I think my earliest one I was probably about six. We moved to, to this area when I was three. And I was probably five or six. I think when they took me to Disneyland for the first time. I specifically remember my older cousin taking me on the Mad Tea Party, cranking the wheel. You know, for all it was worth. Yeah. Blisters on your hands. I also remember probably what would this have been? This would probably been my next visit, probably around nine or ten. It was for my birthday, and we took my best friend and my mom and dad took the four of us to Disneyland. And uh, my birthday's in January, so it rained, it poured, an incredible downpour, and man, you haven't seen water backing up until you've seen what happens when they try to get rid of all that water on Main Street. We had come out of. Uh, uh, journey to Inner Space, the Monsanto ride. We had come out of that, and it just cut loose into a downpour. And it's like, okay, did you bring a brown umbrella? No. Did you even think to bring a rent? No. Okay, I guess we just run for it. And it's like mom's trying oh, to stay under wow. the awnings all the way down Main Street. No, 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 no. no that isn't going to work. Just go for the car. We got to go. Yeah. Oh, that's something. Yeah. Oh, no umbrellas. It's Disneyland. It never rains in Disneyland. Oh, wow. That's, it's Southern California. Isn't seriously, there was that kind of thought. It was like, how could Disneyland let it rain? Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Walt will never do that to us. Did, Walt will not they, let it rain. Did they keep everything open when it was pouring rain, or did they begin to close They actually the did shut things down. Oh, yeah, it was so bad thought, that they yeah. were ushering people out. Yeah, I kind of Not like we wouldn't have left anyway. But. Yeah. Like I think there's certain safety can situations where they have to shut it down. I think so, yeah. That's Slippery and, and yeah. It's a rare problems. thing, but I do believe they were shutting down yeah. that night because of it. Well, you never forget about your first time at Disneyland, but you don't forget about the other times. I, I remember the first... I'd gone to Disneyland before, and then after the Matterhorn came up, the peak. You know what I hated about the Matterhorn? What's that? It was always closed for repairs yes, when I got there. Oh, no. It was always closed when always. you went there? Every time I went there, the Matterhorn was closed for repairs. <laughs> I have been on it, of course, but I mean, like the... Out of the first three or four times I went to Disneyland, at least three of those were... Do you remember the guys that were alpine hikers that would go up the side of there? When I was doing the morning show up at yeah. KZY in Anaheim, they KZY. used to call me on the cell phone every morning to give yeah, me they the They were on the report. air every morning. <laughs> you were telling me about that one time. They were up there, and they were at the highest peak in Anaheim. Yeah. I think they called it. But, you know, it was interesting, too, because the Matterhorn was just a straight ride. It was a roller coaster ride with, with clay built around it. Then they got crazy and they put these abominable snowmen and Yetta yeah. that would pop out of nowhere and it kind of took the fun out of it. But I don't think they've messed with Pirates of the Caribbean or the Haunted House. It just seems, from what I see on even on YouTube, it's the same they, it's the they same pirate, drunk pirate hanging off the bridge with his nasty foot hanging They did face. change pirates about, maybe it's ten years now, just to take out what's not politically correct. Yeah, Some which, of those battles yeah. were and they redid it. They closed it down for an extended period of time and updated it. Oh no! Uh, yeah, which, which exactly? Another part tradition of that dash. Wasn't, that wasn't PC. I remember you were telling me about it. 
Well, was it the guy chasing the woman? Too much womanizing, yeah. and, and there was just a few certain aspects that too much. There was just too much. Yeah, they got to put a few pirates in speedos. These okay. days, we have to complain about everything. You know, going back to the Matterhorn for a second, your your brothers and your family were so into technology when they took you as a young child. I'm sure they should have been very fascinated with the Matterhorn because that was the father and mother of all modern roller coasters. It was the first one to have bent pipe track instead of having a little car running on rails. That's true, yeah, very My true. father had actually taken a bid in at his company at the time for Space Mountain, but they didn't uh, actually get the account. Okay. But this is how I experienced Disneyland in the early years. It was basically any kind of a technological ride, or we would go through the rides and we would be debating how does it really work. Haunted Mansion. Now, some of that technology now is just... It's, it's old. It's pretty old, yeah. It's and old yet school, it was huh? fascinating back then. So, how the floor, the elevator, it's a, it was an elevator is the what elevator. it was. It was, a, it was a cargo elevator. The crystal ball with the, uh, the yeah. spirit gal in, in there. The mirror. And... This is so off subject, but this is how impatient we are these days. I was reading a review about the new Jurassic World movie coming out yeah. today. About how it's, eh, same old, same old effects from 20 years ago when the first movie came out. Gee, big deal. Really, we're, we're that impatient about technology these days? Well, we're because of technology and, and creative, we're raising the bar on ourselves, on our expectations. I don't know. You know I have two grandchildren, a three-year-old and a one-year-old. I don't know how they can stay tuned and get any excitement out of cruising through It's a Small World. Sponsored, of course, by Bank of America. It yeah. <laughs> I mean, that was a that was a waste of time when you were. In... Oh, get that out of my head, please! Yeah, and the puppets, and of course, sponsored by Bank of America. Another sponsor. They didn't want to change it to small world because they were going overseas and trying to get the international banking market at the time, and they had quite a few visitors to Disneyland. I guess they still do from. The, Pacific Rim countries, and all they want to do when they get off the bus is head to the back and go see It's a Small World. That's right. I don't know. Yeah, John, you know, as Hunter Thompson said, it never got weird enough, but it did for you and I, didn't it? <laughs> you know, like anything else that we've, we've talked about, we've talked about it privately, but I think we've talked about it on our show also, just the attention span nowadays is just, you know, way different from what it was back then. People, you know, you can only hold people's attention for a few minutes it was just so easy Very to be true. amazed and yeah. thrilled back i mean do you remember the flying saucers that rode on a little cushion of air and all and you steered them by leaning right <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's so simple and it's something that you never see anymore it'd be kind of nostalgic fun to have that yeah yeah and sometimes you know i think maybe back then there was still more of a sense of uh, more of a sense of awe and i'm talking maybe back in the 60s even well into the 70s a sense of awe that you'd see the, all these interesting things and you'd go wow how does that work and that's neat and that's something that we don't normally see and and today we're especially kids are exposed to so much technology they're kind of going eh, okay well what's the next thing coming up you know and it's kind of unfortunate i don't remember whether air hockey was around before the flying saucers at disneyland or not but it's the same technology it just kind of makes you wonder which pushed which yeah yeah because exactly. the and apparently it wasn't that big a deal it only lasted about five years yeah yeah well, you know the most the most popular family in 1950 1951 was the first family in the neighborhood that had the television Fast forward to 1971, 75, the most popular family in the neighborhood were the ones who had the Pong game. Now, yeah. you remember spending hours playing Pong? Blip. Blip, blip. <laughs> I got to admit, that one never hooked me. Asteroids hooked me. Pong. Oh, you're an asteroid guy. Oh, asteroids. You were not a... Uh, yeah. Asteroids. What was the one, the, the one that would chew up the screen? Pac-Man. Pac-Man. Pac yeah, that was another one. It, who would that put to sleep? Now, although those games are worth thousands of dollars, if you can find them in a garage or a thrift store, they're My still... My brother was addicted to Pong. <laughs> I, I do addicted. remember there being a Pong machine in the uh, Stuart Anderson's Black Angus restaurant in Curry Mesa, which is now gone. <laughs> but, but that's amateur, a... because you've got to leave at one point. Yes. Yeah. But I remember there being a Pong <laughs> game in the waiting room there at Black Angus, and people would be waiting for their reservations, and the girl would come out and go... Fox party for and everybody go, no, 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 not right now. This yeah. Is, this here. Yeah. Can we yeah. eat at the Pong table? It's amazing. On Friday afternoon at the bar, the one guy would leave early. He'd take a personal hour early so he could go secure the Pong table for the rest of the guys. That's and right. you camp out till, till they close the bar. It was your group. 
But, you know, you had, going back to Disneyland, you had some interactive things that you could play there. Like you said, I forgot what some of those were. You could actually, well, it was a Pacific Bell. It wasn't AT&T at the time. You could go in there and they, you're going to be able to see the people you talk to on the phone in the future. Right. And they'd have these screens about, you know, 18-inch screens, and you'll have a screen in your home, and you'll be able to, now we've all got a screen in our shirt pocket or our purse. That's right, kids. There didn't used to be Skype. That's right. Yeah. They have the adventure through inner space, where basically they moved you along inside of a snowflake that then yeah. took you inside, inside of a, a fluid drop, and what would it end up that doing? That was the make-out ride. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. If it has to do with electrons and atoms, you may not be getting any of that. Well, there was, you know, oh, there was science there, too? <laughs> but when you're nine years old, Susan, my cousin... I had two cousins, Colleen, and I had a cousin, Sharon, and they both firmly believed, and they could not hear any different, that you were actually, because of Walt Disney and what they could do at Disneyland, they were shrinking you down to the size of an atom. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, I shrunk the customers. Yeah. They, they're moving around, what if you fell off the ride? Then you'd never get big ever again. <laughs> and the janitor would step on you when he was sweeping. But they had, you know, that was the Magic Kingdom. That's why they called the Magic That's Kingdom. Right. And, some and then we made way for Star Star Tours. Remember oh, Star sure. Tours? Yeah. Well, and that's when the world started changing. That, yeah, that and uh, when Disneyland started having the actual special events where they would take over the park. You remember Michael Jackson bought Disneyland for the night. And then there was political intrigue associated with Disneyland. There were so certain parts of our culture that were not allowed in Disneyland. And guys with pierced ears would be turned away unless they went out the car and picked out the pierced ear. And it just Disneyland has been a microcosm of how our culture across our society has really changed in, in the last 60 years. Think about it. Yeah. I, really, my dad wore a button-down sports shirt and long pants and dress shoes. I remember when he took it in the fifties. My mom had a full dress and a purse. That's right. The old thing. And and we weren't in shorts and and flip-flops. Believe me, that we could no. we could wear flip-flops to go take a bath on Saturday night, but we weren't going out of the house looking like that. We're no. certainly not going to Disneyland looking. Like that. But you see, over the generations, now it's I probably people are. They're more fully dressed at the beach than they are at Disneyland. I see the news sometimes when they have an event there, and it's a big party, and I would not let a kid loose there unsupervised. No, well, Definitely not on grad night. Oh, yeah, grad night, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Did you go for grad night? We did go for grad night. We also went for Roar night. Roar was a large corporation in Chula Vista that my father worked for, so they would buy out the whole park. After closing, so you would go to uh, yeah. this party from 11 at night or 7 or so, and then stay until very early in the morning until the park opened again. Wow, I love that. Yeah, and they just, it was just Roar employees, which meant it really was very freed up, not too crowded. Yeah. It was really nice. That would have been nice. I think some companies still do that. I'm, I'm not sure now it would be a major company. <laughs> well, you know, down the street was Knott's Berry Farm. That was a whole different trip there. I can't figure out the difference, but of course, Disneyland was Disney. And you go to Knott's Berry Farm before the rides became, before it became an amusement park. Right. Big thing about Disneyland, you go there to have chicken dinner. I, that's how far back I go. Knott's. Absolutely. You mean Knott's? Or, yeah, Knott's Berry Knott's. Farm. Yeah. Or to pan for gold. I still have gold, for gold in a little glass vial from Knott's Berry Farm. Well, that I, I remember Mrs. Knott managed the restaurant where the chicken dinners were and the blueberry or boysenberry pie, I forget which one. And that's why you'd go to Knott's Berry Farm. Well, that was the difference in the origins of Disneyland. Disneyland was a fully uh, full-fledged amusement park concept well, it was in a Walt head Disney's trip, yeah. mind. Whereas Knott's Berry Farm just developed as a support for Mrs. Yeah. Knott's Restaurant, which was a roadside stop Absolutely. for many, many years back yeah. in the middle. Highway 39, that was uh-huh. it. There was no freeway. And you mentioned very early in the show today in this segment, John, that Anaheim and Buena Park were groves. They were daisy fields and orange groves. They were, or- they were agricultural. Even on the sides of the police cars in, in uh, Buena Park, even Anaheim, it's an orange. That's their city mm-hmm. seal, an orange. 
and you'd go out there, and you'd, it seemed like you'd drive for hours, wouldn't it, John, yeah. to get to Disneyland? Well, first of all, you're a kid, and you have anxiety issues anyway. I can't wait. Where's Mickey? Well, you're sitting in the back seat of the car. And, yeah. yeah, there were still orange groves down in Tustin in that area. You'd be oh, driving Tustin. through the countryside. When's Disneyland? Telegraph Road down in there. Santa Ana was just, I, I think there was a couple of restaurants. I think the difference between Disneyland was a summer vacation spot. Okay. And Nosberry Farm was your field trip during the year. Yeah. And I think it, it's more educational. It was more historical. Historical. More historical, Which, right. You know, you Calico Ghost go. Town still is. Calico. How about Santa's Village? Well, that's historical. They're you bringing still Santa, in Santa's Village back. Is it coming back? It is coming so back. Not like the before. Nothing is like the before. Well, they're using some of the old, old. Uh, pieces. Well, they left a lot of the buildings there when they bailed Somebody out. Somebody purchased them. What's left? Yeah. Amazing. Held on to Does them. Does anybody remember the Japanese deer village in Buena Park? Oh, my. wow. Yes. The Japanese deer, the deer village and Bush Gardens in Pasadena and later on Burbank or over North Hollywood. But the deer gardens, that was a real deer garden. That was the real thing. It was a slice right out, right out of Japan. I'm not sure where the connection came with deer, but they had a flock of deer roaming around the, uh, the grounds. I think they charge 50 cents. You can go in there and just, you couldn't do anything but sit. Oh, deer, nice. But it was amazing. because It was a have, place of serenity compared to everything they had the else. Cher- yeah. I remember the cherry blossoms. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a, like going back, you expect to see... Uh, and now people you. would pay for that Zen experience. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Pay big. And salon then, prices. Yeah, thirty bucks for a plate of sushi. So we could unwind sushi. and go into a quiet environment oh. before we came back out and got hit in the head with our technology. Yeah. Well, there were places in Disneyland <laughs> that were peaceful places to sit. Remember, John, the Main Street Park, the yeah. square. Mm-hmm. You'd be on your feet all day and just to chill out. You could lay down there. And the fat cop in the white suit would come up and tell you to get up and move along. But, you know, he was playing the part in 1901 Main Street. Hey, dude, yeah, I get it. Hey, you're, you're, you're really playing the part. I like that. No, not really. But our little guys in the white uniforms that carried the little dust sweepers, and they'd go around sweeping all day long. It could be a leaf. Because I don't... Hey, do you remember when people could smoke cigarettes in Disneyland? That was a trip. Wow. My mom and dad... That's mainly smoked. what that guy did was go around and get the cigarette butts. Yeah, this guy was paid... And it looked like he was just picking up leaves and stuff, but they were keeping the cigarette butts off the ground. My mother smoked cigarettes while we shopped in the mall. You go into your fancy department store, and she'd be at the checkout with the checkbook, the <laughs> cigarette, wow. the grocery store. You take Bank America, yeah. Two things you'd see in the lines at Disneyland in the 60s were strollers and <laughs> cigarette-smoking <laughs> white people. As a kid, I remember the ashtrays in the department stores. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just, and it's a whole different world now. Oh, it's boy, all isn't changed. it, though? How about Can the little imagine? ashtray lids at the side of the airline seats? <laughs> that was oh, yeah. the flip-ups, John. Your smoking section and your okay. non-smoking yeah. section. The light went out. As if it doesn't stink it's up got the Got an whole extra L&M there, John? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's Fatima. a good smoke. Yeah. Fatima. <laughs> so what is, what is Gilbert's favorite tourist spot? Probably the museums at Balboa Park. Balboa Park, you know, mm-hmm. we were talking about earlier. I'm um, not really a big, big, you know, thrill thrill ride guy or anything. So, yeah, Balboa Park suits me fine. You know, i got to admit, growing up, I loved going to Disneyland when we yeah. could. But i got to admit, SeaWorld, I think, kind of struck yeah. a nice balance it for did, me. It did, yeah. It yeah. wasn't too frantic. There was some interesting rides. That bucket ride over the... Uh, over the bay to the Atlantis restaurant. I always loved that. Yeah. The hydrofoil ride out on the bay. Sure. And then, you know, watching the uh, the whales perform and things like that. It was kind of a nice balance between rides and, yeah. and interesting uh, natural science. SeaWorld, yeah, SeaWorld was always kind of a kind of a neat, a nice balance. It's local for us, so that kind of makes it happy, you know, a good thing. <laughs> yes. Orange County had several But you're blessed but... and live in San Diego. Yeah. Right, rub uh, that in. Taking Gilbert on a trip, though, you have to make sure that the Astor Radio Museum. Did you ever go out there in Orange County, Art Astor's place? Unfortunately, we were the competing radio station, so no. We never uh, no, you could, no. Okay, you never yeah, he, he had people, yeah. and uh, you didn't want to come up against those people, but I had to call the police to get Gilbert out of there at closing time. <laughs> well, it was that uh, 1939 RCA television that just I was just oh. yeah. fascinated just staring at that. And it was not on. I was just looking at it. All right. Well, listen, let, how about another musical number, John? Do we have something else available? How about some Beach Boys? That sounds good to me. Beach Boys. I get around. I get around. Yeah, get around. Round, round. I get around. I get around.
Moonbeam Nightside here at the 2015 San Diego County Fair at Del Mar, California, and you're hearing us on Res Radio 91.3, and of course those of you around uh, the world are hearing us on our podcast, or you will be hearing us after today's date, and we're just having a delightful time here as we get ready to wind our show down. We were, uh, Susan and I were chit-chatting during that uh, musical number, and she j- she happened to bring up something that I thought was was kind of neat and it had kind of an early earlier TV memory. Susan, share that with our our listener. I thought that was very, well. I know very you're funny. you're a lover of the old radios, yeah. And it just reminded me, uh, my girlfriend's son. This was 30 years ago. Right. They had the old console TV, and apparently it had a hole in the back of it. So the little boy got an orange every night after uh, after dinner, and. Um, never put two and two together but the family room started smelling like oranges and it just kept getting worse and worse so after about two weeks we see him climb behind the television and deposit his orange in the back of the tv so apparently for two weeks the tv was not only being a tv but it was being an oven you know we were, we were cooking some oranges cooking orange. to make orange jam that's right <laughs> so now that that hole became no oranges no no oranges <laughs> wow how about that? Well, that the reason i wanted you to bring that up is because it, it it reminds me i've heard stories that in in the past you know that uh, that kids would get back there and they would drop metallic items into the tv the coins or little metal toys right. or whatever and it was okay until something shorted across that's something right. and you had a big plume of the smoke whole thing and, went up yeah the whole thing went up yeah and, uh, i think remember that when there used to be tv repairmen that yes. was probably mostly what they did was yes. remove coins remove. and paper clips and things that that's kids right. stuck <laughs> into the back stuck of the in tv there, exactly well, yeah. living back east you know your radio your television during a thunderstorm it, lightning hit them all the time yeah. and poof you yeah, know, they're sure appliance. Yeah. So, and it was always random. They don't, doesn't matter what kind of appliance. <laughs> oh yeah. A- anytime you had a lightning strike, and of course a lot of people wouldn't un- wouldn't turn them yeah, off. Yeah, never believed it. Yeah, they never believed it would happen. Yeah, until yeah. suddenly your toaster oven goes up in flames. <laughs> <laughs> so. But a lot of uh, yeah, we always have a lot of good uh, good memories. You know, either uh, radio, TV memories, and the whatnot. And um, thanks for sharing that because I was. Uh, I found that really funny because uh, I've read about that in the past, you know, reading these old books and things about TV repair. Oh, it dropped a coin there <laughs> yeah. and stuff like that. Of course, Mike, did you ever do anything like that? Drop things into the back of the TV set? No, I took them apart. While they... <laughs> you were like me. Well, I had a... While they were go. still working? Yeah. <laughs> Fixing things that ain't broke? Well, yeah, I'd patch into the speaker. With oh, whatever yeah. radio, oh, and yeah. was, try and make it a stereo speaker, then blow the speaker. And <laughs> then my dad would call Sears, have the Packard Bell guy come out in the little Ford panel truck. <laughs> and of course, I blame it on the TV. But yeah, you could really get hurt messing around I was with those. Say they didn't call the paramedics. Oh yeah, yeah I've sparked them before. <laughs> but the best parts were when the first remote controls came out. They were servo motors. 
Cha-ching, cha-ching, oh, yeah. cha-ching. I thought that was... Those cute. were the ones that worked on kind of a tuning fork principle? Yeah. Yeah. And it would drive a gear on the TV side. Mm-hmm. And so there was a TV repair shop down down on the main street from us, and the guy would throw old TVs away, so we'd go in there and we'd dumpster dive for broken TV parts. We were going to make a robot out of servos from old vacuum tubes. Vacuum tubes, really? <laughs> a robot out of vacuum tubes. Yeah. So, you know, that that plan went awry after, well, we had no garage left to build after, after a burn. <laughs> after, after the fire. fire. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, I'm happy to say my brother gained the use of all his fingers on the right hand that were burned. And most of his mental faculties. Yeah, he's still okay, you know. you won't, He's like the cat. You won't find him for weeks if there's a lightning storm. <laughs> But yeah, I love the tinker. We had several shows about finding old vacuum cleaners and yeah. television sets and tinkering and taking them apart. I, kind of a little boy thing, but you know, it, the, you, we would get Popular Science magazine or Popular Mechanics, and it was very deadly at the back because for one dollar and a few electrical parts, you can build a whatever a hot air balloon or <laughs> you know, a, a animate a robot that will get your mail for you and a mechan- an electronic mailbox. And we get him. We never could figure out anything. I I had no idea what R two meant. A resistor's a resistor. I don't know the colors. That yeah, maybe that's how they how they price these things. So I think I'll put the one with the purple stripe next to the one with the yellow stripe. Yeah, it looks nice. Because I yeah, got more of those. Exactly. Yeah, I tried to build a metal detector from a Popular Science article, and I don't know. I ended up in rehab at the age of nine. I think it was horrible. But you've done some great things. Gilbert's wonderful at restoring radios. He actually rewinds the copper wire. I don't have the, oh, the antennas wow. and such. Yeah. I've had to rewind some uh, yeah. some coils, some antenna coils. Yeah, which is you know dealing with very fine wire and just rolling the thing oh, in your hand and, and counting the turns. Yeah, counting wow. the turns. Yeah, counting the turns. A little coat of so, varnish over the top. You varnish could be over a, them. a clock repairman as well. Oh my! Uh, I've got a I've got a real good friend who is just a wizard around clocks, and I look really? at the clock and I yeah, and I just look at him and I'm going like, how does this work? You know, and it's it's it's. I guess we all have our strong points. Yeah. You know, yes. but. Uh, when it comes to clocks, I'm not that not that well mechanically. We might fine. call for your friend's name soon. Oh, sure, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Got a few we, we could use him for. Yeah. Well, okay. Yeah. One final look at the fair, then. So, what do you what do you want to be able to be sure to hit before you leave here today? You want to go on the slingshot ride? You want to have a wasabi bacon bomb? Oh, I don't think I want any wasabi thing. I'd probably really get something else to eat and then uh, call it quits, I think. Uh, how about you, Mike? <laughs> no slingshot ride for you, <laughs> no, Smitty. No. Not unless it's going to catapult you to the Astor Radio Museum. Ah, uh, yeah. I don't think it does. No, we're not. I'm ready, I'm ready for an ice cream cone oh, yeah. and some Australian battered potatoes. Oh, that sounds go. great. The best ride I never got to go on, and I'm probably not going to get a chance this year either, is a hot balloon, hot air balloon. Uh, oh, wow. Okay. We were, back years ago, we were broadcasting out here from the fair when it used to be a real production. I mean, we come out, I was amazed. It only took us like a half hour to set up today. It used to take us hours, not to mention the weeks ahead of time you had to plan the oh, phone yeah. lines and wow. such. It's so easy to yeah. broadcast like this now. Wow. I'm surprised more stations don't. But one, one of those years back then, we uh, they had the hot air balloon rides going up, and we had just gotten our first remote uh, wireless microphone. Okay, wireless microphones are ubiquitous everywhere. Every stage, every performer, everywhere, everybody uses a wireless microphone for everything now. Back then, this was brand new. You just took one of your regular microphones and plugged it into a special box with a transmitter and a receiver. And we actually could go somewhere, walk across the midway here, for example, without draping a a mic cable along the way. So I was going to take this wireless microphone, this brand new device that we had back in the 70s, and take it up in a hot air balloon and broadcast from a hot air balloon. (laughs) wirelessly, amazingly, from the Del Mar Fair. And the general manager got one look at me setting foot into that hot air balloon and says, oh, no, you don't. Nah. The insurance ain't covering that, and I yeah. didn't get to do it. And as you know, in the radio industry, is more worried about you breaking the microphone, having it having it break yeah, when I'm the sure balloon went the, down. That's the insurance he was <laughs> yeah. talking about, not me. <laughs> we, yeah, we can get another live guy, but, you know, he drops that yeah, wireless drops, wart, and we're, you know, we're off the air. Especially yeah. it was when it was some brand new thing that was the latest technology, you know, but... Well, we're uh, approaching the end of our show here, and we're certainly very happy that all of you have joined us uh, as we broadcast here from the San Diego County Fair at Del Mar, California. And we want to remind you that uh, you can listen to any of our programs online, any of our close to 170 programs that we've done, by going to 
Mixcloud.com or by going to iTunes.com. And you can listen there. In addition, of course, now our show is heard here on Res Radio uh, on uh, Wednesdays at 1230, following John's uh, Paula Today newscast, which is also an award-winning program. And we're also heard on uh, uh, we're also Sunday heard on Sundays afternoons at one thirty in between Gunsmoke and uh, my, my favorite, favorite husband. husband during the old time radio block. So we're in real good company. So we certainly uh, invite you to listen to us here on Res Radio. We want to thank John and Susan Fox for uh, being with us and for uh, allowing us to be here today. And we want to thank Res Radio for allowing us to be here. And Mike, uh, another fair broadcast comes to a close. Well, yeah, it's a wrap up, but it's. There's just begun. It opened what? Last On Friday? the 5th. Runs so, through July 5th. July 5th. And you still get down here and you still come by and visit the Res Radio booth. Uh, they're in a great spot this year. They're right next to Australian battered potatoes, right on the food, right on the midway. You just delivered some yes. hot potatoes. This wonderful potatoes. lady Delicious. brought these things. Thank There's you. the sriracha sauce, right? Oh. There we go. The sriracha sauce, the Australian potatoes, Careful. and she just brought a big plate of them. They're and we're going to chow down on these. And you can still come down here, too, but make sure you stop by Res Radio, the booth, and say hi to all these people who made make this radio so important and so essential to baby boomers and beyond. That's right. And we want to thank you again for listening, and we hope you'll continue to listen to us on Galaxy Moonbeam Nightsight. So until next time, I'm Smitty. I'm Mike. I'm John. I'm Susan. And thanks for joining us here on Galaxy Moonbeam Nightsight on the Galaxy Nostalgia Network. Celebrating five years on the air. Congratulations, gentlemen. Congratulations to you, Mike, to Gilbert. Absolutely. And to Kaiser Bill's Batman. Thank you. Yes. This is the Galaxy Nostalgia Network.